Hello and welcome to a new episode of the CPL Newsroom Podcast. I'm Christian Jack and on this week's show we will look at some of the major headlines happening in Canadian soccer. Later in the show we'll be joined by a Canadian star coming into the CPL and one saying goodbye for good. Joined as ever by Marty Thompson and Charlie O'Connor-Clark. And before we look at the CPL domestic headlines, boys, let me start by asking you, what impressed you the most? That's right. What impressed you the most about Canada's recent nine-point window? We have to get into this. We'll also get into the women's team that's being announced as we speak uh, for their tournament in England. Uh, Get into some other ones as well. But Marty, over to you, my man. I know you've been working hard behind the scenes for all of us, but nine-point window, what stands out the most for you? Probably just how effortless it seemed. Mm-hmm. Good point. Like going up, going up one nil against the states in the first couple minutes. It was like, yeah, of course. Uh, like a Tiba scoring with the back of his skull. You're like, yeah, totally. <laughs> it just seemed like it just seemed like every result didn't have that weird hang up where you know I know we were talking amongst ourselves before the window happened. It seemed like nine points was was a big ask, but at the same time, everything just sort of seemed to to flow quite nicely. Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Th- well, there's a lot of very impressive things about it, all the, the travel and Central America and all that. But you know what? It's the thing that impressed me most, I'm going to go with uh, Milan Borian. Mm. Just, yeah, in, nice. just in general, the way that the way yeah. that he's able to not only be here for this magical run after 12, 13 years in the program, but the fact that he's making such an impact at this age with this team. I think he's had an unbelievable game saving save in probably the last four games at least, right. including the game the game at Edmonton against Mexico. And, you know, if he doesn't make those, then maybe we're talking about some very different stories, right? You That's know, he, a two-point he stopped, stopped that Weston McKenney header before halftime at, in Hamilton. There was uh, a couple unbelievable ones in Honduras and El Salvador, and I'm just so happy for him. Yeah, he's a real, he's the spiritual leader, no doubt about it. No doubt about that. Look, the ball doesn't lie, they tell us, right? And it's almost like the ball wants to find Milan so he can be a bit of a hero, right? It's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to test you out here. You especially know I mean? in Hamilton, especially in his hometown. Exactly. That's he's going to be a hero and then he's going to hype up the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that was bump. Yeah. And the pants. And the pants, which are on the way to what? Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame, I read. Is that what it was? Is that uh, yeah, our Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame. I'm not sure. Canadian, yeah. yeah, one or the other. Yeah, forgive yeah. us on our Hall of Fame. <laughs> Uh, the point being, they're going to be uh, they're going to be remembered forever uh, about, about that day. I think for me, the most impressive thing. Well, there's so many things, uh, and many people have heard what I had to say, so I was more interested in what you had to say. But it's probably the way that they play in games that they're being drawn, like they just like they just don't care about the score. Like I've said before, mm-hmm. they're never seduced mm-hmm. by the scoreline, whether the team's on top or not. They feel like their time will come and. You know, you see so many teams at any level, like edgy when they're drawing. Oh, we need to win this game. Go out there. And it's just like, just let it, let it, let it flow. Let it come to you. They're, you know, I think they're so unbelievably confident that the goal is going to come. Yeah. That they don't rush anything. Right. Right. They're fast. They've got pace, but it's never rushed. They yeah. find, they, they spot the moment and they're gone. And just the other team's like, where did yeah. they go? And but that dates, it's yeah, never yeah, rushed. Well, that dates all the way back to the first game of this round when they were they went down one nil against honduras at halftime that's right first game and it's yeah. like 
And it didn't, again, you think it back to that game, it didn't quite seem to hit them that way. No, they've been down against, so they were down against Honduras, they were down at home to Panama, they were down in the States, they were down in Mexico, you know, and yep. all of the time they came back yep. and tied it. So it's, and then went on that to win so some of those games. It's incredible, an absolutely incredible run. Uh, and Jonathan David as well, we have to mention what the yes. window it was for Jonathan David. Wow. Uh, his performance, his that. goals, of course, but he needed that. I'm with you. Um, each of us have different roles and responsibilities. Each one of them is just as important as everybody else's. Uh, but I bring that up, Marty, because I believe you were um, a couple of times on Alfonso Davies' watch a lot during these qualifiers. And I want to ask you about that because I wasn't able to watch it uh, because I was busy. And I know Charlie was writing, but you were clipping away and, and uh, videos went viral around the, around the world on this because of you. So what was that like, uh, almost having a watch party with Fonzie? It was uh, it was tough because I had to rewatch uh, both games after because I was like I just spent the entire time watching Fonzie. Uh, man, that that guy is hilarious. I know people know this, but uh, and I'm sure some listeners uh, watch the stream along along with us. But uh, next time he does it, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, some highlights include his mom coming and going, realizing she's on stream and she either walks forward or backwards. I guess she was. I guess it was a through room. Our, yeah, uh, his dad was great. Uh, he had a yeah. couple big reactions, yeah. and uh, he was just eating a ton of pomegranate seeds. Constant <laughs> okay. pomegranate seeds, oh, nice. which was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess through the was... night, right? Because it's late there. So, well, that was yeah. The first the first game was very late. Like I think it would it yeah. would have ended it was ten like two Eastern. or three a.m. Yeah, yeah, and he, he was, I mean, still started. fully wired. Very, very funny. Yeah, we, we did a couple of comp clips. I'm sure you've seen a couple of them. But yeah, yeah he's, uh, man, what a, what a treat he is for this national team, honestly. Like, so just, just to have a have a professional athlete watch a game with, like, you know, watch his own team on stream rather than playing Call of Duty or something and being yeah. that invested in it and being that, like, it just, it's, I think that's going to mean so much for for the next generation of fans of this national team. Oh so, yeah, I agree. So cool. He's not yeah. he's not just a professional athlete. He's a world class superstar. Yes, he's <laughs> just sitting yep. there on Twitch watching Canada play in Honduras. Standing for the national anthem at the start of the Honduras game was just awesome. Really? Oh, that's <laughs> he, so like, good. They're like made made that. his whole chat calm down. He's like, all right, guys, 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 we have to we have to stand up, and he like backs up. Five feet from the camera, and his head's not even in the frame. No <laughs> standing way. up, it was, it was awesome. amazing. <laughs> yeah, oh, what yeah, an entertainer! Uh, he also, he also, he kept, he kept calling out one soccer. And one of the best moments was when they played his goal reaction uh, from from the Honduras goal. Um, and he could see him watch it live. Okay, he's like, oh, I'm on TV. He's like, I'm on TV, guys. It's amazing. Oh. It's just like so, so good. Like it was just, yeah, so good. He's, still, he's, next he's time. still just like a young man, right? Like he's like, oh, I'm on TV. Well, yeah, you're Alfonso Davies. Like you're on TV a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love that yeah. humility, and I hope he always has it. He did, he did an Instagram live on Friday night that I found because my son, as both of you guys know, is big into like sports cards, in particular hockey cards. Um, and and mm -hmm. and Fonzie had been sent all these cards from tops and he was just basically just ripping all these bundesliga packs and he had like hundreds and hundreds of cards and my son's just like in awe of just how he's flicking through these cards and he brings out these baseball ones i don't even want these and then he's like he's like and he's like oh i might get into cards and he's like oh i'm oh we're playing this guy tomorrow on leipzig i'm gonna get him to sign my card and, and like it was just amazing like, just amazing amazing so my son loved it like an 11 year old boy just i just in awe of what this this guy was gonna do he's got to get um, to the nhl pack and pick up mcdavid yeah I know, I know that they're buds 
Yeah, exactly, right? Imagine if he gets really into it, he's going to be paying big money for a McDavid Young gun, yeah. and he's gonna, that's not going to be big money for him. Uh, so he'll be fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, talking of Canada soccer, as we are on the air right now, you'll see this later. And by the way, our own Benedict Rhodes on onesoccer.ca and campl.ca will have a roundup of what Bev Priestman is saying in a press conference as we speak. But Canada soccer have just announced their squad for the 2022 inaugural year as they prepare for the inaugural in on Arnold Clark Cup competition in England. Forgive me, I'm just reading it as the presser comes down right now. Uh, Bev Priestman says the Arnold Clark Cup starts 2022 with a fantastic tier one test and another opportunity for Canada to gain critical tournament experience of the CONCACAF Women's Championship ahead of the CONCACAF Women's Championship in July, of course, World Cup qualifiers. I think that's the crucial thing here. It's um, the test that they're looking to get. No disrespect to New Zealand and the celebration tour, uh, but they weren't really competitive tests. When you listen to the games they're going to be playing, they're playing England in Middlesbrough on the 17th of February, Germany on the 20th of February in Norwich, and Spain uh, in at Wolves on the 23rd of February. So they are big-time opponents for them, and I think that's the crucial thing. The squad will be out there. You'll already know all this and all this, the thing. The big news is Christine Sinclair is not in the squad for personal reasons. The press conference, the press release goes on to say Sinclair misses the tournament after her mother, Sandy, passed away after a 40-year battle with multiple sclerosis. So here at the newsroom, we all think about Christine and her family. Thoughts and prayers to them right now. She's obviously dealing with far more important matters than professional soccer. Uh, but gentlemen, that is probably the key here, isn't it? As we head to these three friendlies for, these, for this team is to get real competitive minutes against uh, fantastic teams. Yeah, it certainly is. Oh, sorry, Charlie, you go ahead. No, it, you're right. It certainly is. Uh, I, I think that these are the games that Canada needs to be playing as they sort of enter this World Cup cycle because that's obviously the next hurdle after that Olympics because this Canadian women's team still hasn't really found that World Cup success that they're looking for and they'd like to capitalize there. So you need to play bigger teams. It's going to be more European teams at the World Cup than there were at the Olympics yep. for sure. So playing against these teams is important. Um, you know, England, Spain, Germany are all very good in the women's game at the moment. Um, Canada has seen England a little bit recently, but not either of the other ones very much. So, yeah, it's just really important. And I think the squad has a few younger players, a few more fringe squad players that will be looking to try and make an impact and imp impress Bev Priestman in this camp as well. So that's also important. Yeah, there's there's a good number. I think there's maybe three or four newcomers, and there's a couple of players that have signed pro contracts since November as well. You can think of Julia Grosso, um, obviously Vanessa Gilles. There's a couple of players, Gabriel Carl as well. I don't know. There's a good chance to start building, right? Especially when you start to consider how uh, I mean, it's, it's, we're a couple of months removed, but just how dull and drab the Mexico friendlies were. Um, just mm. to kind of move on from that and hopefully get some attacking uh, attacking spark here, it'd be great. Good omen for the for the big year. Yeah, let's go around. Go go around some headlines in our league. Then, as we transition into our guests, uh, some of the stuff we're going to get into is some big moves out of Pacific, particularly at the coaching level. Uh, we'll get there shortly. We're going to talk on Eastern Angaro as well, and we're going to get into all of that shortly. But let's talk first about this, the the U Sports draft. We haven't been on the show since then. Jose Cunha went to Atletico Ottawa as the first overall pick out of Cape Breton, and his teammate Cairo Cora went to FC Edmonton. Um, you can go obviously and check out all the rest at campiel.ca. 16 players were there. We had a live, uh, live stream of the show, that went, which went very well. And lots of people interested in this, uh, which mm -hmm. always sticks with me, how uh, much people are really interested in this, which is fantastic for our domestic game. 
Um, overall, Marty, you've been involved in this since day one. Your overall impressions of how well this went and the quality of players that were taken because Cape Breton, again, dominating with three of the first four picks. Yeah, three out of the first four. Obviously, University of Montreal did quite well in this draft as well. Uh, biggest takeaway from from myself, yeah, and from people around the league is that it's so nice to see these teams start to to pluck away at players outside of their sort of regional you know, mm. fiefdoms at this point. Because, you know, as much as that did make sense in the first couple of years, when you look at... You know, I guess the first one that comes to mind is Forge with with Garvin Matusla. That's a player that's I would I would hate I would hazard a guess had never been to Hamilton before, maybe to Toronto. Um, but that's a player that you just bring in on skill and look what you got out of that, right? So you like to again the, the players from Cape Breton, obviously going to Ottawa, going all the way to Edmonton, right? They're just picking the best players available, um, which is what this draft needs. And there's honestly some some very good players in this league or in this uh, in in this draft that have that have played in U Sports and League One, etc. And uh, yeah, there's going to be some. Uh, I think there's going to be some surprises this year for sure. Yeah, I think Marty's kind of bang on there that it's interesting how clubs are. Well, they've certainly evolved the way that they approach this draft. And I guess this is now the fourth one. Uh, you know, teams are, are do seem to be kind of casting their scouting net a little bit wider and and considering more players from various schools and, and locations. Uh, it seems like teams are maybe starting to figure out the draft a little bit because, you know, when it's mm-hmm. new, teams don't really know what to do with it, right? I, I can't imagine that they'd spend a ton of time watching the U Sports game. But now that we've seen the way that it can pay off and the kinds of players that can make an impact for you in the CPL, teams are sort of starting to follow that that path, and and they've sort of sort of tried tried to find the the players that they think can actually make an impact for them this year because there are obviously players in the draft that can do that, and you know obviously Cape Breton produces a ton of great players and they're being rewarded for it by their players going in the first round, right? And I think that's interesting that. You know, it, there does seem to be more maybe competition between the CPL clubs for selecting these players, right? Than maybe there was in yeah. the past where you might enter with the players that you know you're going to draft and you're pretty sure nobody else is going to. So I think that's really interesting to see the way that this draft is evolving. And I'm really excited to see which of these players can make an impact because there are certainly some of these clubs, especially, you know, the ones with the picks near the top of the rounds that yeah. could use this kind yeah. of help, this kind of, you know, maybe diamond in the rough sort of player that they find from an avenue like the draft. Yeah, great points from both of you. Marty, you mentioned University of Montreal. They became the first school to ever have three picks in a row uh, mm-hmm. in the in, in the U Sports draft in CPL. And I mention it because they went um, at the end of round one and the beginning of round two, Luca Ricci to Pacific, Julian Bruce to Atletico Ottawa, and Quinton Palmier, both the two French players out of Montreal, uh, went to FC Edmonton. And Ricci's got experience of MLS, obviously played mm-hmm. in Montreal, and Bruce and Palmier went to the national championship, both scored goals, and Palmier's got a fantastic free kick in the build-up to that, ru- that run as well. Um, and I'd hope mm-hmm. he gets a chance at FC Edmonton because he looks some player. Uh, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Talking of CPL draft picks... Uh, Easton Ongaro was a draft pick in this league <laughs> and he's no longer in the league but he's got a big move and uh, Charlie you spoke to him recently great article on campl.ca and Easton Ongaro has since played since you spoke to him I think I've had a couple of substitution appearances so he came yeah. on against uh, I think it was Rapid Bucharest I think he came on against one of those teams anyway yeah and he's playing, they played... playing uh, yeah go ahead sorry yeah no no sorry you you were right and I think they're playing uh, Clue tomorrow yes the top, of the, the, the top mm-hmm. club in the, in the league there you know they're playing high level european football when they win the league every time so they're going to be a right. good challenge for him and easton is starting to sort of make his way into the squad 
as I know that we've spoken about, he was told when he got there, his job is to score goals, <laughs> um, which is obviously the thing that he is best at. But that's going to take time to really integrate himself into a club halfway through the season. He has only come off the bench, I think, a couple times now. Um, and it, it seems like he's had pretty decent 25, 30 minute runs out, which is yeah. really positive for somebody who's only been at the club for, I guess, a month now. So I think it's positive to see him starting to get these opportunities and hopefully soon he'll be maybe pushing at the starting lineup and we'll see a goal or two coming soon. That's kind of the way that it went down for him when he had that loan stint in Denmark. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess last winter, it took a few games to kind of get integrated. He eventually starts uh, He starts starting and then all of a sudden the goals start pouring in. But as soon as they do, he gets called back to Edmonton for CPL training camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see a kind of a similar trajectory for Easton as this club still tries to get its way up into these, these higher spots in the table. I think they're still ninth at the moment. Yeah. To be fair, they've played three games, right? Since he's been there. So he's been involved in 66 points. You do the math percent around that time, two thirds <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of the games. And like you said, hopefully he gets more opportunity considering that he hadn't played a game since, um, well, that, that final game against Forge in the November yeah. games against the, in the World Cup qualifiers when we were in Edmonton. When he scored. When he scored, I went to the game, yeah. Um, yeah. But just overall, again, just a quick one back to you, Charlie, because you spoke to him. What was your impressions of him? Because he seems like a very, what's the word? I would say very very focused young man, right? And he goes over there mm-hmm. again. And he's not worried about it. He, what took it? What what? what I took from it was that he literally didn't even know anything about Romania or the club. And within 48 hours, he's there. You know, that's, that's yeah. a lot about mm-hmm. a player willing to take a gamble like that, Charlie. Yeah. Well, when I spoke to him, he hadn't even been to Romania, but he'd been training with the club for like three days in Turkey. Right. Cause they, I, a lot of these European leagues have these kind of winter breaks. Well, they'll go have a bit of a camp somewhere a little bit warmer, maybe. Um, and I think the thing that sticks out to me most about this move is, how brave it is for Easton, mm. you know, for a guy who's never really played anywhere outside of Alberta, his home province for him to go just on a, on a, a dime like that, move out to Romania of all places where he definitely does not speak any of the language. He right. has a completely different culture. The football itself is definitely very different uh, for him to just take on that challenge so quickly and be so excited for it is really impressive to me, especially for Easton who as a player that, you know, before the CPL came along, before he was drafted by Cavalry out of Alberta. Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> important to note. Uh, but, you know, back then, before he was in the CPL, I can't imagine that the this professional journey, this, this trip to Europe was really that much of a reality for him. Certainly it was a dream. And now that he, now he's realized that dream and fulfilled it going to Europe, but it definitely wasn't as as plausibly on the table at that point so for him to just have this growth over the three years to get to this point where now he's just so eager and willing to make this massive leap and you know kind of throw himself off the deep end there is really impressive to me yeah and how will you remember him in the cpl Marty? if he if, he, if he's if that is if that is him because he leaves he leaves as the uh the league's all-time goal scorer right and an impressive young man Charlie knows this. Easton's my favorite CPL player by far. Also, in the, uh, if you haven't already seen the the interview that Charlie did with Easton, you should watch it because Charlie just sort of mentions, "Oh yeah, did you know that like you know the team you know the, the you're going to be in FIFA the team?" And he immediately is like, "Yes, yes, I looked it up." Yeah, I'm super. <laughs> he was so. That's the first thing I would do FIFA. as well. To be fair, yeah, 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 was, uh, yeah, which, yeah exactly. It was very funny. Uh, no, he's uh, he, he was a very memorable player for this league, and again, so thrilled for him.
um, to go through the draft like he did. Like again, yeah, playing entirely in Alberta. Um, it's such a it's such a good story. It's such a good story. Great story. Uh, okay, before we get to our guests, we must talk about the big story on the island. That's right. James Merriman is in. Palmer Ducar is out. Palmer Ducar leaving to go to Dallas um, and carry on his coaching uh, experience there. Overall, we'll get to James in a second, but Marty, your overall thoughts on this? It was a bit of a bombshell when it came out for Pacific fans, uh, but I'm sure that they thought that, well, I'm not, I know that they thought that they wouldn't be keeping hold the par for a, a long time. He delivers them a championship and he departs. <laughs> it makes sense. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's definitely a bitter pill to swallow for Pacific FC fans, but at the same time, James Merriman coming in to, to take that role, um, you have to be happy with that. This, this person's been uh, the assistant coach there for, yeah, going on three years. Um, he's been there since day one. No one knows the club better than that. And he's also had a chance to work with Pa. And I know that you t- you spoke to him on our, on our YouTube page, KJ. Like, he just talked about how much he learned and how much he's willing to, like, evolve this team past this. Which, I mean, at this point, when you look at the CPL, the, 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 the main factor for winning is consistency among players and to know players and to build a culture and you have a, I have a coach that, that can continue that winning culture, I think is, is ultimately, if I'm a Pacific fan, the, the, the biggest positive. Yeah. In the same way that players in the CPL often have ambitions that are higher than the league, the same is true of coaches, right? Especially mm-hmm. coaches like Pa who are in their first, first team professional gig, right? And obviously it's something that Pa has wanted to do to, you know, move on to, to live in Texas, as he told you, Christian, he wants to do that. And love living in Texas. Be, Why not? For him to be on that that pathway towards hopefully one day getting a full MLS job, which I think he's probably not going to not going to hide. That's that's a goal for one day, right? Yeah. But uh, I I mean I think I think it's understandable. Probably a little bit faster than we might have expected it to happen. Probably faster even than Pa expected this to happen. But you know you can't deny that he's left a really indelible mark on this Pacific FC club, right? He's obviously delivered them a championship and he's left every single one of those players, a better footballer and a better man for the two years that he was at the club. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that has really set them up well for this future. And obviously, as Marty said, I don't think there's any person that could take over more smoothly and, and more easily than James Merriman, who's been at that club from day one. Right. No, I think it's really important that James carries on that because that culture, as Marty alluded to so well, is 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 already there. It's woven now in the fabric of the club because that you know you've got you're not collapsing the whole foundation. Pard departs yeah. and he leaves what he what he left on them and he sprinkled it and James will carry that on and you still got and I know they've lost Campbell and Ajab rapport. And there'll be fine players for Forge, and I'm not disregarding them. And you guys know this. Nobody's a bigger fan than Hajabapur than me. But I think that they've got massive personalities at that. But I don't think I know, you know, Jamar Dixon and Bustos and, and players like that. And I know they've lost McNaughton and maybe Chung as well. But they've still got, I think, the leaders at that dressing room that are still there. You know, and Irving and, and, and Diaz is back. And there's lots of players that I think will carry on that tradition that James will be able to say, no, remember when this happened, we were able to do this. Uh, and the final point I want to make is that Pa did stress that in my interview, and I tried to convey this on Twitter as well, that I don't think this is a man just leaving a job for MLS next. He wanted mm-hmm. to go there because mm-hmm. of that specific organization. It's yeah. a clear pathway for him wanting to coach that team eventually in MLS um, and work with young players. And, it, you know, speaking to him since a little bit, it, he's already coaching first-team players at FC Dallas. And we all know just how what a wonderful academy that is and the way they produce players. Uh, so, yeah. you know, he, you know, uh, congratulations. He leaves as a winner. 
and we can't thank him enough for all the time he's had and given us in, the, in his in this time in this league. And I'm sure he'll come back on and, and chat a little bit more from Texas and still be a big fan of the CPL. Another big headline in the offseason was the acquisition of Ashton Morgan. That's right. Bobby Smirniotis and Forge made another astute signing. When have we heard that before? As they captured the former Toronto FC left back to come in and replace Kwame Awua at the position of need in Hamilton. Uh, He's probably one of the nicest guys in football as well. So the moment I heard that he was coming into the league, I'm like, we want him on our show. So here we go. Let's welcome him into the show. Here is Ashton Morgan. Delighted now to be joined by our first guest of the show, uh, a man that all of us have known for so long, and the CPL has got better for his return to, to the Canadian soil. Ashton Morgan, new with Forge. Ash, great to see you, my man. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Uh, how has this been? How is the feeling of coming back to Canada and coming to a true winning team in an environment like this playing at Forge? Honestly, yeah, thanks for having me to start off. But uh, no, it's been, uh, it's been great. It's been very exciting. You know, very exhilarating to be back home and especially with the Forge, you know, I, I've been keeping a close eye on them over the last few years, you know, watching as much CPL games as I can. And uh, it's been, uh, like I said, it's been very exciting and I'm happy for to start this new challenge and this new, uh, new adventure, the guys. Ash, it's definitely exciting from, I think, a, a fan perspective as well and, and from our perspective for a player with your experience and quality to come to the league. Um, yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know if, if I'm speaking for everybody else as well, but I feel like you're a player that we always kind of hoped might one day come to the CPL, right? So you said that you've kind of kept tabs on the league. So just maybe what have you seen over these, these three years of the league, just kind of paying attention from afar and how have you maybe seen it grow to the point where now you're like, all right, it's time. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I've watched, like I said, I've been watching as much as I can, you know, and, uh, I've been really excited with the games, the competition, the style of football that's being played, you know, and, uh, you know, especially I'll speak on for Hamilton Forge for say, I love, I love the way they play. I love the style they play. And uh, like I said, it's just uh, very happy to, you know, I could try, try to enhance this league to grow some more and, you know, bring everything that I've learned over my years just to, you know, either help out one guy, two guys, three guys. But I, I think I also have a, a part to play with uh, within the change room and with, within the league. And then to piggyback off that, what about Forge specifically? And maybe you could talk about Coach Bobby in, in the dressing room there. What exactly about Forge and, 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 and what have you seen so far there? Yeah, honestly, you know, from the first week, first session with uh, with Coach Bobby, it's been uh, it's been great. You know, just we've been going straight after it from the first day. From training, the style of football that he's asking us to play and the demand of, you know, attention to detail is is refreshing you know and it's it feels great and you can see all of us are just gelling each and every day so far you know and uh again i used to play with uh you know kyle becker back in the day you know so you know I, it feels good to you know reunite with him and get that going again you know because uh yeah like i said we know each other since we were 13 and our, our first ever england trip back in the day with the toronto Lynx back in the day so it's good to be back here to be with him here that's a great. That's a great story. Uh, you know, I always feel like there's like five degrees of, of separation with Kyle Becker. Like everyone, sudden, everyone kind of knows Kyle Becker through somebody. You know, it's a Canadian yeah. soccer royalty. Like that's just where you are. I want to talk more about. We want to talk more about your time at Forge in the Champions League coming in a second. Mm. But I'd, let me go back with you for a minute. How has these last, I suppose, four or five years been for you? Because 
obviously the Champions League is a big discussion. You were immense for TFC all the way to the final, played in the final, mm. scored in the semi-final. But then obviously the minutes have been diminishing for you, but you're still, I think, what, 30 years old. You've got yeah. so much to offer. So, yeah. Ash, how long how has that been for you as a professional where even though you've been part of the professional environment and trained every day, you haven't been playing as much? And did that kind of weigh into your decision to come back and play more? Yeah, definitely. You know, even with my last couple of years playing in uh, – in MLS, you know, my, I, I still feel so great. I've, I'm still so young, you know, and I have the legs and I'm just, I have so much to offer still. And, uh, you know, coming back to, to the CPL, I think is uh, was a great decision for me. And uh, like I said, I've been smiling ever since, you know, uh, the opportunity has, I came to the, has came to the table, you know, so I've been having a, a nice big smile every day and, uh, just to get back into the fold, to get back to playing, you know, it's uh, it feels really good. Yeah. It's definitely great to see you with a smile on your face. KJ, uh, KJ mentioned the Champions League there, and I kind of mm -hmm. do want to get into yeah, it here. Because, sure. again, I'm sure it was a big part of the conversation with Forge coming into play, Cruz Azul in the CONCACAF Champions mm -hmm. League. Ash, I don't think any Canadian player has more appearances in that competition than <clears> you do. Um, obviously, you know, you've played at the Azteca as an away team, you've yeah. you've got that experience. How much has that been part of the conversation with coming to Forge? And just how excited are you to get back into that later this month? Super excited. My career started playing in Champions League, my early days in TFC. So just being able to, you know, have those experiences and give to the guys here and especially seeing their, you know, CONCACAF achievements and their run, you know, it's, it's great that, you know, big core of this team has experience in it, you know, and I'm, I'm just here to help that as well and try to enhance that and, you know, keep making things as professional as we can and uh, to try to help out to know what we're going to expect when we play, you know, Cruz Azul on, uh, sorry, coming up on the, on the 16th. And then we go to Azteca as well, just to, that's like the Mecca of football stadiums on our side of the world. So, you know, it's a, uh, it's a crazy, great accomplishment, but also there's uh, anything can happen in football. So as long as we know that, you know, uh, I think we'll be uh, we'll be fine. When you say enhancing that, obviously this Forge yeah. team, as you already mentioned, have 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 done quite well continentally. Yeah. But yeah. you know, when you when you say that enhance, when you say that word, like how exactly, like what exactly do you want to bring to this group about specifically going to Azteca? Like what 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 exactly is that? Uh, what do you want to impart on that? Honestly, just, you know, my leadership qualities, you know, I want to be able to be a vocal presence, you know, when things aren't going right, I could be there, and especially in the back line, you know, take a lot, take a lot of that weight from my, from my teammates, and I could wear that for us, you know, and uh, I'm just here to, again, to help and to, to play and to lead. And, you know, I think, uh, I think with this group of guys, you know, it's, they've done a lot of special things so far. And I'm, I'm also excited to be a part of that and just try to again, to contribute, contribute to that as well. Our guest is Ashton Morgan, now a Forge. That sounds great to say, to say uh, here in the Canadian Premier League. Just away from the Forge and into the national team picture a minute, Ash, if you don't mind, mm. because yeah. this group of players now are on the brink of, of, his, of history. You know, they're going to go to a World Cup. It's special. I know you've been watching. Mm. And I know, I'm sure you should feel, you're part of that team. You know, you know these players. You played, you grew up with so many of those. I think mm. you've been in John Herdman's camps when you played, you know, in Florida not that long ago. 
Um, so maybe you can just let us know as an insider into that camaraderie, because when I talk to these players and you're one of them, you know, you, a lot of you guys grew up together and they're still going out there to play for Gata. How big is that in terms of t their success on the pitch? It's huge. Wow. It's, it's so incredible. You know, before every game, I text the lads after each game, I text the lads, you know, and you, when you are part of that brotherhood, brotherhood, you're always a part of that brotherhood, you know, whether you're in camp or not, you know, and, uh, just being, having been part of those camps sometimes. And uh, it's it's such an achievement to see all the work that all of my brothers have been putting in it is, is amazing, you know, and it's still, it gets me so excited and it, it fuels me. I may not be there, but I'm there in spirit and it, it still fuels me so much to, to, to want to strive for more and to, to keep fighting, you know, cause uh, like I said, they're like, they're making history right now and it's, it's, something special to keep and especially to keep an eye on for the, for all these guys, man. Absolutely. There in spirit, uh, you know, Ash, obviously you had, you had been a part of that national team program for quite a long time. I mm -hmm. want to say you started there in 2011 or something like that. 20, I think 2012 around then. Yeah. 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 Just, I, I think all of the, the players that have kind of been around that long, talk so profusely about how different things are there now mm -hmm. just are you able to maybe add any light to that on just how far you've seen that program kind of evolve since you started with it yeah definitely you know i just think like the professionalism you know the energy and just even the competition within within the team you know uh i feel john has brought in this this atmosphere this uh this i guess this again, again this brotherhood and uh it's really, it's really, uh, you know, energizing the group and just even the player pool and the talent that's in this squad, in that squad is just uh, simply amazing. And it's always that next man up mentality, which is great. And as we can see from the last uh, World Cup window, qualifying window, it's been next man up. And it's, uh, again, it's been exciting. I know we're covering Canada's run on, on this podcast outside of this interview, but has there been one particular moment in this cycle that's really stuck out to you? I know that, I mean, we had a couple moments last window that were, that were amazing. What's the one, what's the one moment for you that you thought it was really going to, really going to happen? Uh, again, there's been so many special moments, but uh, I even say this last, the last match against uh, El Salvador, you know, may not have been the prettiest match, but uh, you know, in other years, that result could be different for the Canadian national team. Just so, just to see us come away with the three points away from home in those conditions, you know, like I said, maybe years ago that that result wouldn't be going our way. So, just to see that we're going away and getting these results is just, uh, you know, simply amazing. And uh, it's again, I've been a part of it, and it's uh, like again, just to get those results, it, it's it's a lot to say. A lot of people may not understand what I'm really saying, but you know. On being on that on that side before uh, that game could probably get away from us, you know. Great point. Couple more minutes with Ashton Morgan, um, ramping it up then for the game against Cruz Azul. Um, it's I'm sure it's unusual a little bit to ramp it up, but certainly it's for CPL teams to get the level of intensity in the legs in February. Mm -hmm. I know it's freezing outside right now, but you, <laughs> hopefully you, that's not going to affect you. What have your impressions been uh, of Coach Bobby in terms of getting involved in, in, with him on a daily basis, what his level of detail? Because we hear it from different players, but yeah. what have you noticed from your own observations so far? No, honestly, it's it's been it's been really good. I feel 
with the attention to detail, with the tactics within the game, you know, the game within the game is a big thing that I feel being here. That's what we uh, really try to uh, stay uh, stay focused on, you know, and just the tactics. I feel we are currently working on them. We're sharpening up and the legs are going to come. It is February. It is cold, you know, but I think us training outside, getting ready and the coaching staff and Bobby, you know, preparing us for a lot of what Cruiser Zill is going to throw at us. You know, it's been, uh, I think, each week so far since building up to it, we've been getting better and better. And, uh, you know, saw some t some time before the match. And I think uh, we're going to be in a good place for, for the game. February 16th at Tim Hortons Field. I think we're all looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. Ash, were you uh, were you on the bench for that that uh, that one TFC Champions League game in Colorado that looked I really was. cold? I was. Yeah. I was wearing my okay. running shoes. Couldn't put my my boots on <laughs> unless I was needed. The boots. It was very cold that match, and I, I don't think I've been part of a match colder than that yet. So, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. hopefully, hopefully, you will not be part of a colder one. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to be a little bit warmer than that. But just getting back to that game, that that mm -hmm. game at Tim Hortons Field, and you walk out. What are you most looking forward to about that game? About getting back on the pitch with that team? Oh man, personally, I can't wait to. Play in front of my parents, my family. It's been a, uh, it's been a while, you know, especially for the whole COVID, and being in the states for the last couple of years, you know, just to be in front of my family and my friends again, to put on a show and to fight, to, to, to work hard for the three points, especially for the Forge fans, you know, and uh, I think it's going to be again, it's going to be a special night, one of the biggest matches, uh, you know, Hamilton Forge have, have ever been part of. So it's going to be, it's going to be really a great time. And I was supposed to ask one last question, but um, really quickly, you said you're sorry, you're wearing running shoes during that game? On yeah, the on the bench. On the bench, yeah. Oh, you're on the bench. On yeah. the bench, yeah. <laughs> yeah They're yeah, a little warmer than, than football boots, I think. Yeah, slightly, yeah. yeah. Slightly, slightly, exactly. Yeah. You want to you put your snow boots on on the bench, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wondered, yeah. Why not load up? <laughs> There's not much you can do when you're, yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> Thankfully, you have a lot more warmer and positive memories of the Champions League than that one dull night in Colorado yeah. with 2,000 people <laughs> yeah. in the stands. Uh, I'm sure, you, I hope you're going to tell some stories, or maybe some of the players have already asked, but you know, that sliding at the back post to score that semi final goal at BMO, my man, that's got to be a career highlight, no? Oh, man, yeah, especially at home in front of the fans. Uh, you know, knock the ball three times with the right foot. I had to throw it, but I had to have a right peg still. So, you know, it was a, it was a great feeling. <laughs> a great game. run. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Great run. Yeah. 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 And you almost, you almost, and I was there, you almost lifted the trophy in Guadalajara. Yeah. You were that close. Mm -hmm. I don't know where you were listed on the penalty takers um, and when you ever thought you were going to take one, but you didn't get to take one. But that, that, that was a tough night, no? Yeah, it was a, that was a tough one, you know, but... Again, with that group, with the numbers, how much players we had left on the on the squad, and all the injuries and the scheduling, you know, uh, you know, our team, the club, you know, our bodies went to a different place. And you know, again, we play football for these moments, and to be in those positions to play in these big games, you know. So, I kind of, you know, bring it up to the guys here that these games don't always happen. So when they are here, we need to capitalize and take advantage of them. 
That's fantastic advice. Mm. I, I remember it. It was like next man up mentality. I think Bradley and Vanderweel played centre back next year. I don't game. think there were a lot of defenders left by then. No, that was a <laughs> remarkable run, a storybook run, yeah. and I'm so thankful yeah. that you were able to have that with them. And we're thankful for you being back in the league, my man, telling these stories and uh, bringing your experience and wisdom now uh, yeah. as an old 30 compared to some of the <laughs> CPL. You're not an old man, but compared to some players you're playing with, yeah. uh, that's a good Fair thing, enough. my man. You got. You, you, I still feel like athletically, you're probably like a 25 or something. Yeah. You've got 10 years of less <laughs> football left in you. Yeah? I feel great. My body feels great, you know, so... I forget that I'm 30, so I think that's a good thing. So <laughs> It is. It definitely is. Hey, listen, we'll be having lots of chats over the next year or so with you, but we can't thank you for the first. This has been a real pleasure for us. Great to have you back uh, here in Canada, and great to have you in the CPL, man. Good luck against Cruz Azul. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you. Ashton Morgan, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. He mentioned talking with a smile on his face. We all had smiles on our faces just talking to a, a, just a great guy like that. Marty, your impressions of that interview and just what a big acquisition he is for Forge. We need more stories from that Toronto Lynx trip for one. Um, <laughs> uh, they've they've got they've got a keeper, right? The, Charlie, you mentioned it. This is a player that uh, Ash was a player that we wanted to see in this league for a while for for the very reasons you just exhibited in that in that uh, interview. He's going to be a great person for this club moving forward. And, and and obviously the stuff on the field and especially the experience in Champions League certainly helps that. Yeah, well, Marty, he's uh, actually a left back, not a keeper. But <laughs> Wait, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm really excited to have him in a league just because of, you know, what a big part of Canadian soccer Ashton Morgan has been for probably what, 10 almost 15 years now maybe yeah They've almost been, really mm-hmm. think about it yeah. 30, national team. first yeah know, over first tfc player to ever get 100 appearances for the club right yep yeah yeah i think he was the first tfc academy player called up to the national team as well yeah uh just an incredibly important player in canadian soccer especially in the last decade of it and i'm just so excited for him to be in the league and for him to be part of our story now it's certainly a player that we've all kind of had our eye on for a long time. And I think as you guys can both attest to, nobody in Canadian soccer has ever said a bad word about him. He's just an incredible guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were talking about that off the air. A great guy to, to, to know and teammates love him. And um, Charlie, you were just sharing a story off the air about Michael Bradley. That Maybe yeah. you could just explain that, the Champions League day. Yeah, I, we brought it up a couple times in the interview when Ashton Morgan scored that third goal at BMO Field against Club America. In the Concacaf League champion, uh, the Concacaf Champions League, that's it, semi-final, uh, and just the buzz in the TFC locker room after the game when I I went down uh, as as part of the press corps, it was just incredible how happy all of these teammates were, not only just to have won the game, but for Ashton Morgan to have scored in it. I, I I'll, I'll never forget Michael Bradley kind of cutting off a, a question not wanting to talk about the game just wanting to talk about ashton morgan and how much he embodied that club and, and the yeah. city of toronto and That's so how awesome. just loved he was in that locker room especially at that point in 2018 when he'd been at the club for a very very long time Close to far longer far longer than anybody else in that dressing room so they were just all so thrilled to have been able to do that for him and for him to have that contribution yeah i mean Kwame Awu was a special player in CPL and, you know, Charlie ran his fan club for him. Um, but, you know, now, <laughs> now he's left. My point being, you know, you know, that's a difficult, that would be difficult, but what an acquisition this is. You know what I mean? Like uh, at the right time and we all wish Kwame well and hopefully he goes on to bigger and better things. Um, mm-hmm. But imagine Bobby Smirniotis just like rubbing his hands together in the winter going, <laughs> 
you know, every club needs leaders. Do you know what I mean? Like good people and good leaders. He's got Kyle Becker there already and setting the tone. Coaches don't need to just run everything. Just let the players take care of things, Marty. You've you got Becker there and you've got Tristan Henry and you've got Janssen and you've got Crutzen. You know what I mean? And I'm not even getting into every name because I could keep going on and on and on there. Oh, and let's just throw Ashton Morgan in there as well. Like, could the locker room get any better? That's why they're best suited to, to represent the CPL at, at a CONCACAF Champions League. That's why they're best suited for it because they have those players that we know that we've already seen them yeah. do um, in these competitions. Just have have a head about them, and and Ashton's only gonna like we mentioned, just talking to him about you know how do you even begin to enhance these players' experience that they've already had and the, the success they've already had at, at the continental level. Um, he's gonna be able to do that. Yeah, it's absolutely it. It's just incredible how many legends of the game have already walked through that Forge dressing room. You know, David even going back to David Egger, yeah. Kyle Becker, obviously, just it's it's really incredible how Forge is able to to keep doing this. And you know, yeah, we've mentioned, you know, if if Forge is looking at if Bobby's looking at his roster, thinking, okay, I I have to replace the best left back in the league. Mm. I don't know if there's a possible name that's better to do that than Ashton Morgan. Yeah, great. Yeah. Great point. Um, yeah, and great to hear some of the Canada stories as well because he still feels part of that team even though he's not playing within that 23- or 26-man squad anymore. So it's great that he feels included as he should. Uh, from one man uh, who play, used to play for Canada that comes into a league to another former Canadian international who is departing the league, we now welcome into the show Canadian legend and Cavalry FC legend himself, Mr. Nick Ledgerwood. And here he is himself, Mr. Nick Ledgerwood, who announced his retirement from Cavalry FC last week, much to our all pain, because we we're looking forward to playing, uh, seeing him play again for another season. But maybe you'll join us one day on the side of the media, but we'll get into that later. Nick, thanks for joining us, my man. Uh, how's this been? How's this feeling been? Uh, when did you know? Talk us through this last few weeks of deciding to make this monumental decision in your life. Yeah, the, the last week's been uh, brilliant ever since I announced it. I mean, I... I think I got more messages and congratulations than I ever did while I was playing, uh, which was nice. But it, it, it took me definitely back memory lane and, you know, some of the older coaches and players who reached out uh, just to congratulate me on the career. You know, it definitely takes you back to when you played with them or coached by them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I stuck with my decision. The decision I did was for the bigger picture, for my family. Uh, for the future, what I want to get into next. And, you know, an opportunity kind of came about uh, organically and one that I didn't really want to turn down at this moment. So um, th that was as far as the decision. I mean, selfishly, I wanted to keep playing until until I couldn't, until, you know, I'd get somebody to drag me off the field. But I think anybody who has a family, uh, kids, now understands that it's no longer just about yourself. It's about the family and what's what's best for the family in the future. Yeah, I think most soccer players are probably the same where they'll they'll keep going until their legs fall off. But yeah. uh, Nick, I, I don't know, maybe for you personally, if there was kind of a moment or, or a time when you sort of started to realize, you know, this might be my last season as a professional or if there's a moment where it maybe hit you that, you know, it was time to hang up. I don't know maybe what that was all like for you in this last year. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I can't pinpoint any moment where, where that was the case. You know, I was always a player where, you know, even started the offseason as a right, okay, what am I going to do in the offseason? What can I cut back on? What can I add to my game? Even at the age and stage where I, where I was in my career. So I think I was always hungry in that aspect of 
wanting to improve, wanting to to keep up with now all the younger players that were starting to try and push push me out of a position. So there was never really a point where, you know, like, oh, my fitness isn't there. You know, I can't keep up to the, to the boys. Uh, you know, the only thing that I started to notice was my recovery time after, after games. And with such a condensed schedule and season that we had last year, I think that was maybe the only little thing where I was like, you know, I can't bounce back in two days. I need that extra day in between uh, to do it. So other than that, there wasn't really any driving force to say, you know, aches and pains, can't keep up. Fitness was dropping off. None of that. No. So you're saying we could still see you maybe as an, uh, as an emergency <laughs> signing. I know Tofa's filled that role previously. <laughs> you're not ruling yeah. it out. No, I'm not throwing it out yet. No, it could be, it could be the Michael Jordan come back from retirement. Uh, no, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm happy with what's coming next and, uh, I've definitely settled on the decision. I, I don't think it's hit home yet. The whole retirement. I think that'll happen once, you know, uh, the season gets underway. I'm not on a roster. I'm not out there fighting for a spot or, you know, competing. So I think that's when it will hit, but, uh, I'm in a good place right now. So I, I can't complain. Great stuff. Two part question for you. When, when you came back to the CPL, I'd imagine that it was a pretty much the culmination of a dream for an Alberta boy to come back and play in a league like that when you never thought that was the case. Would, was that the emotion uh, uh, when, when you came back? And, and second of all, what do you take from your time playing uh, at the end of your career in Calgary? 100%. I mean, that was, that was one of the main reasons why, why Calgary was such a fitting uh, end to my career as stage of my career where I wanted to end it off. You know, I started my career in Calgary with the Calgary Storm back then with the A-League. And so just to have that come full circle and be a place where I could, where I could end my career. Um, not only that, I was sold on the, the idea and the vision of, of what the CPL was going to be and, and what it meant for Canadian soccer. Uh, I never had that pathway growing up. We had to kind of be pioneers of our own pathway if we wanted to make a career out of it. And now I wanted to help out that next generation and help grow or reach the potential of what I think soccer can be in this country. Yeah. I remember back in 2018, Nick, when you first kind of signed with Calvary, I think you were the first signing alongside Sergio, but you were also one of the first kind of established Canadian national team veterans to come back to Canada and, and kind of maybe in a sense, take a gamble on the CPL. Right. And obviously some others have joined you after David Edgar and, Marcel Diong and a lot of other players, but what do you maybe say to Canadian players abroad that are maybe looking at the CPL and, and wondering if, if they can come back and play, you know, in, in their hometowns? Yeah, I think there, there's always a special feeling when you can play in front of your hometown, when you play in front of your family and friends uh, week in, week out. Uh, for me, it was being able to plant roots where, where I wanted to live afterwards while still doing what I love so much and what I'm passionate about. Um, and, and now you're starting to see, you know, the, the players that maybe aren't playing in the top leagues in Europe. Now they're sniffing at coming back to be a part of the CPL because, because it is growing. And you look at what is going to be in the next five years for Canada soccer. I mean, you know, we're going to be playing in two World Cups in the next five years. That's something that you could never imagine being a Canadian soccer supporter. Um, so I think it's just a matter of time where, you know, this league really blows up. You got more expansion teams being announced. Um, 
the facilities, the infrastructure is there, the ownership groups are there. You know, we've just gone through two years of a pandemic where all the ownership groups have, have backed this league, right? So it's there for the future. And, um, you know, that's why I wanted to be a part of it from, from the get-go. As Charlie mentioned, Nick, you were there from, from the beginning. And if you want to go into 2018 with, with the Foothills, growing this club in Cavalry FC, what's something that you're going to take out of that experience? Because it's truly once in a lifetime to, to do the, the trajectory you have. What's something you're going to take away from that? Uh, for me, it was creating culture. Uh, and I think that was our biggest thing right from the get-go is uh, not only the experienced players, but the coaching staff create an unbelievable culture that everybody bought into um, in the beginning to make it a professional team, to make, uh, you know, anybody who came in, they felt welcome, they felt valued, uh, they felt like they wanted to contribute and be a part of, of growing something. And like you said, there is that, uh, that special feeling when, uh, when you're now responsible for, for building something or valued for building something. And I think that's what we've we've built with the cavalry and the culture going going all the way through. Nick, away from the CPL, let's talk a little bit about the national team. We just had Ashton Morgan on our show uh, earlier as well, and you had 50 caps for Canada. It's a fantastic achievement. And I say that because whenever I talk about this national team now, I think about players like you a lot because I think about the, I mean, I can mention it, sacrifices that you guys went through and the difficult times to come back and the amount of challenges you had. Those are things that I can say, but you lived it. You know, you had 50 caps playing in Germany and Sweden. Uh, maybe you can just share a little bit of stories or how you put that, how you decompartmentalize that in your brain about your time with the national team and how very much different it is now um, for, for these younger players coming through into a different environment for Canada. Yeah, I mean... The national team will always be the pinnacle uh, of my career. I think it's it's the the peak or the pinnacle of anybody's career is representing their country. And you know, I was fortunate enough to to travel the world, play in different tournaments, uh, be a part of an unbelievable team, a group of men that went through a roller coaster of of ten years of, of being with the national team. We had our highs and our lows, but there were all learning experience that that brought us closer together as, as a team or as men and friends. Um, you know, a lot of the guys I still keep in touch with and, you know, there's still a few of them that are on the national team right now. And it was just, just the last game when they were playing against the U S where I felt this, this utter joy for the team. Like it, it honestly gave me goosebumps. And I think it was a combination of knowing the sacrifice that the program has gone through and to see where it's at now and, and just seeing the joy on on their faces. Boyan, Tiba, uh, Cavallini was there with us as well. You know, like those are all players that I, I played with and we sweat and we went to battle together. And now they're reaping the rewards and the benefits of, of this program being literally turned around uh, and, and the potential is now being fulfilled. As Christian mentioned, 50 caps, I think it was like 10 years as a national team player. Nick, you obviously saw a lot of different kind of generations of this group, right? There were several coaches in that time, lots of sort of players coming through. Just what kinds of memories from that time with the national team do you think stick with you the most in even a couple of years after you've kind of stopped putting on a national team jersey? Yeah, I, th I think it was... You know, for me, it was always a breath of, a breath of fresh air to go away with the national team. Uh, it was something different 
than where I was at with my club in Germany. Germany was a constant battle, grind, uh, com competition to be in the starting 11, to compete week in and week out for your spot. Um, when we went away with the national team, it was this uh, representation of the country where it didn't necessarily matter if you were starting, you were coming off the bench, you, you maybe didn't play in that game. It, it didn't necessarily matter what role you played, but you were there. You had value within the team um, and everybody respected you. It was, it was this team spirit that you don't get at a club level. Uh, and I think that's probably with all national teams when you come in and, and you just know that you're representing the country um, and, and there's that element of pride that goes with it. So each, you know, I say there was there was no real highlight or memory that stuck out in any sense. It was every every training camp, every every game we played was this this bit of energy and uh, stuff that I would always bring back to Germany. Just a quick one, because we were just talking about it before you came on, Nick. Um, Milan Borjan, um, he's having obviously an incredible cycle. What can you tell us about about him as a person and, and how this has all sort of come to be? And also stories would be appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's phenomenal for him. I mean, he's the last, the last cycle where he's gotten three shutouts in three games. Uh, you know, maybe on a different day or somebody else is in goal, you know, Canada comes away with three draws in in that cycle and i think he's made some absolutely world-class saves to to you know lift canada over the the end there where they're you know not only they're taking the three points but now they're closing out games in the final minutes where they're hitting a counterattack and they're they're closing out the games to nothing but boy when i played with him he was he was kind of your funny erratic goalkeeper a mm. uh, little bit crazy and you know i think now having a family, a child, you know, maybe it's grounded him a little bit and, and where he can just simply focus on, on his work and, you know, becoming a better goalkeeper. And, and like you said, this World Cup cycle that, you know, he's played, he's, he's probably one of the, the best players in CONCACAF right now when it comes to goalkeeping. And, you know, I'm, I'm truly happy for him because he deserves it all. You know, I hope he can get to a club now where where he's happy with and he can take that next step in, in his career. Yeah. Maybe come home somewhere. You can yeah. come back and play here. No doubt. Exactly. Uh, listen, Nick, this has been awesome. Before I let you go, um, what can you tell us about what's next for you? What can you tell us about the plans? What are you thinking about? You know, how much, you know, get, you know do you get, can you get too far into it? Cause I know football is very goal and orientated. What, what's next totally. for you? What can you tell us? Yeah. I mean, already when, already when I was tw 27, I started to coaching license, right? When I was back in Germany, I did my UEFA B license. Um, I knew, I knew then that I wanted to stay in the game no matter what afterwards. And I wanted to try and set myself up as, as best possible. Um, I'm currently doing my Canadian A license and will be done that end of March. Uh, so another big stepping stone to go into, you know, the coaching stream. Um, I have too much love and passion for the game to step away from it. And, you know, I want to continue to help build uh, what I think the potential is in Canada as far as a domestic league, you know, our men's program filtering down so you know like I said I can't let the cat out of the bag right now but uh, you know I wouldn't have stepped away from playing if there wasn't something else uh there yeah. for me and that was the opportunity that that kind of arose for me to still stay in the game 
uh, and move towards what I wanted in a, in a future goal uh, for myself, uh, where I could still be proactive in the game, help the next generation, and, you know, still live the dream of being involved in football. Yeah, it's a, it's a great answer. And I did say that was our last question, but now you just mentioned it then about coaching and mentorship. How lucky is the Canadian Premier League to have 25% of their coaches called Martin Nash and Tommy Wilden Jr., two guys <laughs> that have been inspiring you? Yeah, right. Well, and it just shows, it just shows what we've done here at Cavalry, uh, you know, and, and credit to, to Nashi. I mean, he was great for us for the three years as an assistant coach. And I'm sure all the boys would have loved to have him, you know, here another, another three years. But the fact is he's proven himself as a high quality coach. And now he's getting the chance to showcase it as a head coach. Um, and I think, again, without the CPL, you know, we wouldn't have these jobs for coaches, assistant coaches, goalkeeper coaches, uh, right? So now you're starting to see the benefits of, you know, going through the coaching stream. There is now that pathway like, like there is for players now. It's just the exact same for coaches, Yep, the Canadian Premier League, a Canadian league for Canadians. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, now I, that's what it is, for it Canadians is. by Canadians, right? Exactly, so, my man. Yeah, and and yeah. I think that's great. It's given everybody an opportunity to stay in the game that much longer. Yeah, well, very well said. Hey, listen, this is brilliant to talk to you. Uh, our first interview with you as a non-player, but, <laughs> but I know it won't be our last. So thanks for joining us, Nick. Uh, best of luck to you and your I family. So. We'll chat soon. Thanks, gents. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Nick. Have, have a great afternoon. You do the same. Always appreciate your time. Nick Ledgewood uh, from Cavalry FC. Uh, boy, just a great guy. Just a great guy to have in our league and a great guy to continue to bring, you know, his his time and experience. You know, Marty, this is a guy that, you know, as he alluded to, just the toughness of playing in Europe and bringing that mentality to the next level of Canadians is going to be the, the reason why hopefully he sticks around in our league and within Canadian soccer for years to come. It's been experience that has already been gleaned so well from the Cavalry team. So glad he mentioned the, the culture yeah. there because ironically, he was he was there from the beginning to build it and build it to what it is as we know it is, is one of the strongest teams in this league. Yeah, absolutely thrilled. Uh, don't know exactly where he's going to be coaching. Uh, I'm not sure if that's exactly clear, but uh, mm. I'm sure we'll see him around. Charlie, yeah, your thoughts on Nick? It was genuinely a pleasure for him to spend the last few years of his playing career in the CPL and in, in Calgary, not too far from his hometown of Lethbridge. I, I I mean it quite genuinely. When I was very excited when he first signed in the CPL, mm-hmm. you know, for him to be a recognizable national team veteran to you know give that vote of confidence to the CPL, I think it was really important. And I think it made quite the difference in the players that the CPL has ultimately been able to attract, especially Canadian players. And yeah, I just can't wait to see where he where he's next, where he's you know whether it's coaching or something else. I, I'm very excited to see what is on the table for Nick. Yeah, no doubt. A massive thanks to Nick and Ashton Morgan, two outstanding all-star guests for us on the show. Before we wrap up, we'll just go through some quick signings uh, in brief at the end to get you guys to comment a little bit on this. Uh, maybe throw a club at you here and there. Let's start with Cavalry. Why not? Because Nick Ledgerwood is gone. But lots of returnees, Dan Klump, Ben, Fisk, uh, ben, ben Fisk, Jose Escalante, Joe Mason, Elliot Simmons. Um, you know, it goes on and on and on. Elijah Arikubi, um, Maya Bevan's back for New Ze- from the New Zealand National. He's come over, He's come to, come to Canada, which is a, a great signing for them as well. And more to follow very soon. Uh, we expect a big signing for Calvary to come out this week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie, I'll throw Calvary to you. Overall, um, a lot of continuity here on the pitch for them. Yeah, and I think that's the right move for them, right? You know, they 
they missed out on the final by one goal in extra time of a semifinal, right? Yeah. I don't think there's yeah. much reason to want to blow it up or change too much. So running back mostly the same squad with, you know, maybe some changes and reinforcements in certain positions, I think that's the way to go. And they should be pretty good this year again. To the nation's capital, where we still await the announcement of their coach, Marty, but we're getting more and more ideas about how their roster is going to look. Lots, you know, lots of new signings that have come down over the last few weeks. Uh, some returnees we already knew about, obviously the likes of Manella, McKendry, Becky, amongst others. Um, then they announced some players who were within the league last year, including Max Tiso, Kevin Elliman, Ollie Bassett, Nate Ingham, a couple of other new players coming as well overall. Um, Ottawa sh- taking shape here, Marty, in a year where I don't think people and certainly their fan base will expect them to say it's another transitional year. They're going for a playoff spot. Yeah, nice to get a bit of continuity with the league as well. You mentioned Ingham there, Bassett. I know he only played here for a year, but he knows this league. Kevin yeah. Allen as well. Just to get a bit of that continuity. And, and they're all very... They're all very sort of shrewd veteran signings where if I look at a player like, you know, Kevin Alleman, he's done two years now with Edmonton and Valor. Um, I mean, obviously the shortened season before, but a player that, you know, there's still so much more potential with him in this league. Um, so you see a player like that, he could totally be valued more. Same as with Max Teams Tiso. Ollie Bassett could barely play on that Pacific team because it right. was so loaded. Um, there's just a lot of those sort of like hungry veteran players, which is very interesting and I, I really do believe in. I think it's going to work. We mentioned Forge earlier, Ashton Morgan joining uh, Abubakar Sissoko back. Poku has gone in. Obviously, Janssen, Brownie, Welshman, Paseas. Uh, lots of stuff there, and we'll be getting into Forge a lot over the next few weeks. So we'll move on. FC Edmonton, not a lot of it to be announced, but keep an eye on news this week. Lots yeah. coming out of that club, and uh, the excitement is that they're back. Uh, so that's a big one. Uh, Charlie York announced since we last spoke the signing of Oliver Minitel, a player that's obviously very familiar here in the CPL with his time in Calgary. Your thoughts on that acquisition? Yeah, that was that was a big surprise to me, I think. But it's exciting. I, I know that Oliver obviously didn't really have a chance to make an impact really with Cavalry last year. He's coming off that that really unfortunate injury from the Island Games, which obviously takes a very, very long time to recover from properly. Yeah. But we all remember how good he was in 2019 for Cavalry, a very exciting player, a dynamic player coming off the wing or playing as an attacking midfielder, whatever. He's versatile. And I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch, especially you know under a coach that knows him in Martin Nash. Uh, quick one for you, Marty, on Halifax. Aiden Daniels is the star name amongst Zachary Fernandez or Bangtabi as well, the players coming in. But Stephen Hart talked to us on draft night about Daniels coming in. And they obviously need goal scorers. They need a little bit of wisdom in that final third as well. He looks like a good player for them. Uh, good for Aiden. This is such a big move for this club and this player to make to make a jump like that. Obviously, going across the country, um, it's 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 amazing to see a young player like that where you see it and you're like, that is going to stick, and he's going to be a core of this team for for a long time. Stephen Hart obviously knows that as well. Really excited for him. Yeah, excited for him too. I want to end on the champs, so uh, throw to you, Charlie, on Vala. We've announced a number of signings. Jesse Debrien, um, Asensio coming in, and returnees Becero, Pena, many others. Mm-hmm. Um, Valas seemed to have a good idea about trying to get that blend of continuity. Obviously, Dyer's back. We know Akio's back as well. Um, they mm-hmm. seem like they're pretty much going in the right direction here after an exciting end to the year last year under Fulda Santos. Yeah, they're taking shape. It looks like this is we're kind of starting to see what Phil Dos Santos's vision is for this team because he obviously yep. took over midseason. So this is his chance to really make an impact. I'm really interested in this kind of new international cohort that they're bringing in. A lot of mm-hmm. these players from kind of South American leagues that are are quite interesting. 
Um, so I, I'm really excited to see how this team plays. Obviously, the ones that they are bringing back, I think we would all agree, are a lot of the players that were good for Valor last year, even the year before some of them. So I think there is something pretty solid being put into place there in Winnipeg. Yeah, and I mentioned uh, I forgot to mention uh, Rocco Romeo as well. Yeah, who could be who could eventually right. end up playing alongside Andrew Jean Baptiste. Uh, that never got uh, able to see last year in the centre back partnership. We'll end with the champs, and there are obviously a lot of returnees coming in. Uh, Thomas Mejiguer, Sean Young, Diaz is back, Heard, Valdissimo, lots of re-signings and more to come. And um, one departure, Lucas McNaughton, since we last spoke, has left for TFC. We're all over that. We interviewed Lucas. We did the scouting report on him. Charlie wrote a great piece on him as well. Um, overall, though, uh, this is big for the league, Marty, that Lucas McNaughton has been signed to a guaranteed multi-year contract by TFC. Really excited because I think for those who have watched Lucas over the last couple of years, we know that this is going to work out. Um, you look at a player like him, you look at a player like Joel Waterman at Montreal, I think he could potentially be better than that than that has been uh, so far for Joel. It's it's such a big move for this league and he totally deserves it, especially going back to Toronto. Uh, people uh, that don't know him too well actually know, you know, he went to University of Toronto. So he's 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 been He's been in that city for quite a while, so it's good to see him. Uh, good to see him get back home. Yeah, league from League One yeah. Ontario to TFC That's right. Alliance Florida. United. Three years. Alliance ago. United. Three yep. years via via the CPL. Yeah. Right. That's that's your ticket. To, your ticket to the big leagues. Come to the CPL, Charlie. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. You know, you <laughs> League One Ontario and U Sports. Then you you go through the CPL for a couple of years, and all of a sudden you're a teammate of Lorenzo Insigne. That's how football <laughs> works though. Honestly, all around the world. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, unbelievable. It it's, it genuinely is just, it, it's good proof of concept of the CPL. I think yeah. to see players that would have fallen through the cracks otherwise to get this stage, get noticed, catch the eye of, of bigger clubs and move on. It's just so exciting and such a good story. And I'm really hoping that, you know, that, that Lucas does really well for TFC this season. Yeah, me too. We will, we will, we will, we will always have a big fan uh, here yeah. of Lucas McNaughton, no doubt about it. Our final acquisition to talk about a free agent, Marty Thompson, free agent <laughs> loss of the Canadian Premier League. Oh, uh, nice. We're going to miss you, my man. You, uh, for those who are listening that obviously don't know, Marty's been a lifer with this league from day one. Uh, the content we continue to produce, all the foundations of this guy. You know, you can imagine a yard out there, right? You know, trying to rebuild a yard and we're, you know, we're mowing that clean grass right now. <laughs> this guy was out there digging the weeds at the, at the beginning. This guy, th that was no yard out there. This guy was creating it all now for us to come oh, and man. play on the nice grass. <laughs> Uh, so, in the weeds, yeah, Jeez. in the weeds, buddy. You were, you were out there <laughs> lot, digging a lot of away. weeds, a lot of weeds. <laughs> there were a few weeds for us early on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I guess, uh, yeah, so I guess I'm moving on, uh, yeah. So, I want to thank everyone for listening to this, being part of the podcast. I want to thank you guys too. This has been so much fun, yeah, yeah. It's been uh, it's been a nuts three years. I think I got to be there before a ball was kicked, it was just like it's dream come true, man. It's yeah. so much fun. So many great stories yeah. that I know Charlie and I are going to be able to tell for years. I'm going to be telling people, you see me in the stands this summer, ask me for a couple of them, but no, it's been, uh, <laughs> it's been, it's been a great, it's been a great ride. I want to thank you too so much. It's yeah, been well, so much fun, man. We so appreciate that. We want to thank you more than that because, uh, yeah. you know, this is this is not goodbye. This is just see you later, my man, because you never oh, yeah. know when this is in this industry. But again, those listening, Marty Thompson has played an enormous part. If you're a big fan of Canadian soccer or CPL, an enormous part of your listening pleasure and viewing pleasure over the last three years. Absolutely. So, again, thanks so much, Marty. Charlie, uh, final word to you on your cohort leaving. Yeah, I, I don't really know what I can say other than, you know, it's been 
an incredible few years of Marty. Marty's taught me pretty much everything that I know how to do in my job now. And I'll be obviously forever grateful. And I, I, we'll I don't really sure. know what else I can say about you, Marty. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that there's a time in the schedule, Charlie, that you're not working a game. So you two can just go out <laughs> and have some, uh, some beers in the stands of a York game or something. So glad, Absolutely. so glad you mentioned that KJ for anyone listening. I'm just going to be at games this summer. Nice. Already, already planning a trip to Halifax. Just literally come up and say, hi. And I will be, I will be drinking. Uh, I will be drinking beer. So I think I can say that because <laughs> ahead of time, you know, it's not unprofessional. I, you know, I won't be an employee of the CPL, but please come up and say, hi, I'd love to, I'd love to meet some people. We've met a couple people that listen to the podcast over, over the last couple of years and people yeah, have reached cool. out, but I just want to, you know, just come up and say, hi, don't be shy. It's uh that's what uh, that's what the sport's all about, right? No doubt about it. Great people. We we thank you all for listening this far, and we thank you for the love of the league and your support of Marty as well. And you'll leave with all our support and love too. I uh, thank you so much to uh, Ashton Morgan. Thank you to Forge. Uh, thank you to Cavalry and Nick Ledgerwood. They were two outstanding guests. I uh, thank you to Charlie, and above all, thank you to Marty. Thanks for everything, my man. And we'll chat with you again soon. Have a good week, everyone. Take care, and we'll be back next week as Forge take on Cruz Azul. That's right, in the last sixteen of the Concacaf Champions League.